AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. So, John, it sounds like there's a number of vulnerabilities in an operating system that most people probably haven't heard of, right. but chances are they may have something that runs this operating system in their house somewhere. The vulnerability was found by uh, Armis uh, researchers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a security company, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was research uh, about the WebRiver uh, VxWorks um, real-time operating system. It's an operating system that is actually, I, I believe the number they said was like in two billion devices but most people never heard of it. And it's because of what it's used for. So, you know, things like industrial control machines and, uh, you know, medical appliances. Sometimes it's used in, <laughs> in home routers. I mean, I've, I've right. heard of other, you know, just consumer hardware that runs VxWorks because they needed an operating system. So a, a big firewall or, you know, appliance company that uses it is uh, Sonic, uh, for uh, Sonic Wall, I think mm -hmm. is uh, the, the firewall appliance. And there's some other Sonic OS uses VxWorks. So for this particular particular set of vulnerabilities, actually, they're naming it Urgent 11 because they are 11 bundle, all uh, around, I believe, the TCP IP stack used within okay. the VxWorks um, operating system. So, so all the, all the vulnerabilities were were around something to do with the way that the packets were being mouth, you know, uh, created, and they were able to do things like, uh, you know buffer overflow or just you know maybe do certain things in the options that would create certain conditions that would allow them to do. So basically the stack isn't validating the input that it's getting and it's it's allowing you to overwrite a buffer somewhere and get a yes. so, remote yeah. code execution? <laughs> so that is the scariest one, yes. Okay. So I believe they have six of them, six of the 11 that are remote, ex that allow remote execution. Okay. And because so many of things like a firewall would 100% be exposed to the internet. Oh yeah, it's a big deal. Um, so, just for those that are using it, I assume they might already know that this has been patched. Mm -hmm. So that you know, Armis has been working with uh, the company with Wind that River, yeah. Wind River to make sure that their customers that uh, might have uh, versions that are vulnerable get an patch before they release this. So th there's actually they're gonna be presenting it for the first time uh, during Black Hat next, okay. next week. So, um, But they released it early just uh, so people can get a read on it and understand what's going on and to warn everybody that might have still running an older version. I believe um, they have patched, I think, some versions of 6, but version 7, their latest version that was that came out in July, is no longer vulnerable to, to this particular set of vulnerabilities. So. so what would you say people should do about it? <clears throat> patch if you are running a version that is uh, mm. uh, not uh, um, uh, running the latest uh, OS but also uh, you know companies most of the companies actually like you know the sonic wall appliance will have their own patches so I think it's significant that people are paying attention to VxWorks I feel like it's not a household name uh, but those people who are in the know about security understand that it does have a wide deployment across a wide range of devices. And if there's no patch, maybe it's time to consider a different device? No, so that, that, that's what makes this type of operating system a little more dangerous, I think, because uh, you know, they're running things that are not easy to patch or remove from you know, their current working status. For example, I believe 
the, the Mars rover runs on VxWorks. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I assume the Mars rover... Does the Mars rover have any open ports we should Yeah, I was going to say, or? it's probably not on the open internet, but they're, you know, but because they have remote execution capabilities, you can break into, you know, a firewall, and then from there, um, actually, they, you can just broadcast the malform to, you know, uh, IP packet, and... Uh, you don't even have to, you know, do reconnaissance or anything. You just it'll find you just, more boxes just, to pop. Just broadcast the the right. bad packet, and you see what else is, you know, what hit, and yeah, you'll, you know, if, if you just stumble upon maybe a industrial control somewhere where it has a lot of, you know, PLCs, for example, that are running a vulnerable uh, v, uh, VxWorks um, version. Um, that's it. <laughs> wow. Keep an eye out, I, I would say. And if you are skittish about it, if you're running things like um, control systems that run off of VxWorks uh, until you have a way to patch them, maybe it's time to isolate them from the networks that they're on. So it's it's scary in that sense, and there are things that are very difficult to patch. For example, you know, in a you know, medical appliances yeah. have to go through, I believe, the FDA to even allow a patch. Yep. So it's not like they can just patch it. The, the software has to be approved by a government body. Which and in the meantime, you still have to run your medical appliance. <laughs> and you still have people hooked up to this thing. So yeah, so it's scary. Um, so I would say patch quickly. And yes, for sure, um, you know, it's, it kind of puts us in a place where we have to think about, um, you know, th there are other things than Windows, Linux, Mac, right? Like, I, I'm glad that researchers are looking into these operating systems that are very widely used, that not everybody talks about, that there might not be, for example, like, you know, I love being able to do like linting and stuff on, on like software development, but like, I don't know if there is the kind of tooling for someone writing software here. I don't I have no idea, right? So mm -hmm. it will be interesting to, to maybe get the word out there and maybe get more researchers exploring things like, you know, these operating systems that are um, not as widely you know, talked about in the media. Uh, you know, sometimes these this vulnerabilities come out is because they found it being used, and in this case, it's good news. Uh, so yeah, patch now before someone figures out, figures out how to do it and start exploiting uh, all the all the appliances. So it seems like the APT15 group has found another backdoor. So they apparently have started using a, a different backdoor that so far hasn't been documented. And ESET put together a really interesting little white paper on the analysis of that backdoor and related malware. So in this case, the, the backdoor is called Okrum? Yes. And the, the backdoor component that goes with it is Ketrican. I don't know how they come up with these names, yeah. <laughs> but thankfully they're at least you know pronounceable. <laughs> Unlike some of the other things, like the APT15 is apparently also KE3Chang. Mm, yeah, I, again, that. it's like, I mean, it writes, it probably looks really cool when you write it out. But yes. Then. These gangs that, you know, some people refer them to of, you know, uh, threat actors are, you know, they're, they're always coming up with new things. So the fact that this new backdoor was found that they had been using for a while, it seems, uh, it's kind of not a surprise. So the Okram backdoor is apparently been used for a couple of years now right. uh, in conjunction with this Ketrican malware. And this, the, this particular campaign is targeting uh, diplomatic targets, Belgium, uh, Slovakia, Chile, all over the world. Okay. And the, the Okram malware itself uh, can be used to deploy Ketrican. 
it's sort of like a lightweight back door. And they actually go through the steps of how this stuff gets on a box. Yeah. They, they don't have the initial infection vector from their analysis, but they know what happens after the first few stagers get on. There's, like a, there's a loader, oh. and then there's like a, 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 uh, an installation component, yep. and then there's the anti-analysis. And they go into some detail about it, right. which is really good. They're targeting, you know, government officials, so they're, they, they're pretty specific targets, so yeah. why not? They would have to make it a little more complex. No, you would think so. I mean, it, <laughs> it really depends on, you know, what they're, what the targets are able to yeah, do on their own for defense. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, some people assume that when we say APT, we mean super advanced, yeah. but I think the, the P, the persistent, is more true in most right. cases, and some gangs are more sophisticated than others. Right. Significant thing about this story is that the researchers at ESET were able to tie these two malware families together um, around APT-15. They had seen a particular backdoor in use in the wild. All of a sudden, they're seeing a brand new backdoor, and all of a sudden, it's distributing an old kit, which suggests that this is the same attackers um, just updating their tools and techniques. So Okram itself apparently has been changed over time. There's versions of it that are hidden within a PNG file, which is kind of interesting. And the so is their main method of, of, I guess, is phishing? Like, how are they getting into That's it? the thing. They have not established that yet. Oh, that's they know what, what happened after the fact, and yeah. it was on the box. They could show it was running. Yeah. But the initial infection vector is not, is not in, the in the article. So, okay. yeah, it's kind of interesting. Right, um, right. And I guess that usually, I mean, that can happen where you know something was infected or something happened, but mm -hmm. you have no idea how it got there. Yeah, unless you were recording everything that happened on the right. system to that point, you may miss some, some critical stuff. Right, right. I mean, it's good to have your Windows logging turned on, Right. Um, but some people just don't have that for whatever reason. Um, well, and some malware is smart enough to just cover all tracks, too, right? That's true. So they just delete everything or they remove it. I didn't read anything in particular about removal of, of okay. logs like that, okay. um, but who knows? Right. Um, the, the good thing is that if you think you might be a victim of this, they have all the indicators listed at the end of the file. So not only can you read about how it works, you can go yeah. and grab those indicators, run them against your own systems and see if, if okay. anything is happening. For those who are in a diplomatic field, and they list up a number of countries, but if you're, if you're a diplomat of any kind or you work for one, this would be one to pay attention to. Gee, it seems like if we're running LibreOffice at home, we may want to be careful what files we open in the next couple of days. Yes, so um, for those that may not know, uh, LibreOffice is kind of the, like, an alternative to people that might not want to use Microsoft products, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an open source, you know, full, you know, you can do written documents, slides, spreadsheets, so a full-on Office suite that is open source. In this case, um, the, uh, researcher has found that in a built-in, I guess you would call an extension, I suppose. It used to be an extension, now it's a built-in part of, of, of LibreOffice mm -hmm. uh, called uh, LibreLogo, which I believe it was a logo was like an old programming language for like you would do oh, like... Oh, that logo? Yeah, like oh. you, you would do like turtle, like it was yeah. for training and yeah, so that that logo uh, is still built in and I guess they have it in there for kind of the same reasons to do like, you know, like vector graphics or um, or do or you teach programming because you can do like simple like you know move forward or fill in uh, color in certain spots. So like you can people you look online, people make really cool like turtle big big graphic vectors or whatever. Uh, but in this case, what they found was that um, because it's written in Python, um, 
you can kind of, and, and you can write the steps within the Word document, you can do weird things like import the OS module. Oh, which no. then <laughs> oh, I see exactly where this is going. Which then you can then run whatever you want. Just opening up a file that seems to be benign, you know, it's not obviously malicious code or something like that, um, can be potentially dangerous. It seems like it's a throwback to the days of Microsoft Office where people were always warning you about don't open a Word doc because it might have a macro virus. So LibreOffice had patched a vulnerability, I think, last year that allowed people to run, um, let's say, uh, non-local scripts. So you have to have a script in a specific folder, and only that can run. Okay. Well, LibreLogo is technically something that can run because it's built in. And within that, there are functions like, you know, run if you mouse over this, mm. or even, you know, see if the, uh, the window is visible, then run. It sounds like some JavaScript <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, well, it is, yeah, it's, it's Python-based, so, so, okay. so, but it's, you, you have some visibility on, on the program, right? So, so, yeah, so someone can do the import OS, you know, run some script or so, run some code, and then a link that says run, that if you mouse over, will run the whole thing. <laughs> uh, or, if, or take it further and just, if you open it, yep. it'll, you know, it's obviously the window's visible now, so it'll trigger the script. You know, if someone decides to exploit it in a way that is invisible, you wouldn't know that it, that it happened. So the best thing you can do is, uh, if you are one of these users, see if you can remove it uh, from your installation. The scarier thing, and it hasn't been confirmed, and that's why the article says unpatched right now, is that while they deliver office patched the original uh, CVE, another researcher has said that he was able to bypass it. Um, so it mentions that he's, you know, he's not going to release how You're he did it. You're going to work with it. them to fix it? He, yes. Okay. So that's why it was patched, but not, but maybe not. We, we don't have confirmation from anybody whether this person that announced that he bypassed it did. So it's still a little scary because in certain, you know, I think in, in some installations, this extension is, is, is part of the, the, the installation. So, so mm -hmm. uh, one example was I, I, at home I, I have Mint and then LibreOffice comes installed. Yep. Um, but I, I couldn't find the Libre logo within my installation. Maybe in the Mint version it doesn't come pre-installed. Uh, but I had looked at an older version I had in Windows, and that had it. Hmm. Um, and I was able to replicate the, the alleged issue. So, so uh, it, it works, it exists. And uh, so if you have the, if you used this application and uh, you're opening documents without, um, you know, that you don't know, right. then be careful, or better yet, uh, I believe you're able to uninstall the Libra logo. Okay. Um, Which for most users doesn't affect them at all. Yeah, I don't think. Unless you're a, a turtle logo art aficionado, <laughs> yes, you're probably not right. going to need it. For people that are using LibreOffice, uh, it's important to realize that if for some reason your version came pre-installed with the, the Libre, Libre uh, I believe, logo, um, that you are potentially vulnerable to these attacks. Let's take a look at this week's internet weather. These are the top 10 most probed ports for July 29th, 2019. Uh, top two are port 23 TCP and 445 TCP, that's Telnet and SMB, and those have not changed. Uh, 8089 is up two spots. We usually associate that with uh, Splunk, but there's a number of things that could be running there. 80 ICMP is down one, that's ping. 
81 TCP is an alternate web port. 8545 is the Ethereum GF client uh, or server. I forget. Ethereum GF. Uh, 22 TCP is SSH. 3389 is RDP. In 9th and 10th place, we have 5038 TCP and 8088 TCP, and I'll be talking about those a little bit later. Uh, for the most sources probing, again, this is a, a measure of how many individual hosts are trying to scan and not the volume of scanning. Uh, the top four have not changed in the past week, which is <laughs> actually pretty incredible. Uh, 445 and 23 and 80, 80 being uh, plain old HTTP. 8080 is another one of those web ports. Lots of different things could be there. Uh, 22 TCP after that. 5431, I believe, is related to Broadcom UPnP. 80ICMP is in seven. 8291, we're going to talk about in a second. 443 TCP is in ninth. And then 8728, we're going to talk about in a second as well. So I'm just tracking on 445 since that's been at the top for so long, and it actually looks like the scanning volume on this port is going down. And this is a 365-day view, and I had to grab that just to get... To, to look like a downward slope. Like. Exactly. I needed, <laughs> I needed something that would look like a downward slope, because if you zoom in too closely, it, it looks relatively level. Yeah, it um, doesn't look like it's moving right. But I guess that means that, in general, um, some of the hosts that have been scanning for these things that were infected by uh, anything running on any of the Eternal Blue exploits, most likely is this, this is all phasing its way out, which is a good thing. I mean, that's still so significant, still incredible. I mean, I feel like WannaCry I can mention to a lot of people, and they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, they've actually heard of it, yeah. yeah. which is interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to see that the SMB port, uh, 445, I believe, is uh, declining in scanning even though if you look at the last you know month it doesn't seem that way but it was good to see Matt bring like a you know one year view of it so you can see that there has been some you know downward slope uh, for scanning on that port. Uh, 8728 uh, Microtik router OS API port we've talked about it on the show before when it spiked up out of nowhere back in the start of July uh, we had another couple of spikes yesterday and the day before Sources are still typically in India and Vietnam. Um, but yeah, someone out there is really looking for this. Um, it might just be for fingerprinting. It's not really clear. There are a couple ports that we'll talk about that are related to Microtech routers. Yeah. But yeah, someone's interested in getting into those. Uh, 8291 is Microtech Winbox, which is another uh, administrative port for Microtech routers. And you can see, again, starting back in the beginning of July, we had an uptick in that. It's been mostly level until the last couple of days where all of a sudden we're seeing a little bit more. So we'll see how that trends upwards. Again, seems like the same sorts of source hosts in India and Vietnam. Yeah, I was going to ask. So, so yeah, is, that, is there a way to correlate whether it's the same people scanning both? You know, I didn't actually correlate host for host. Yeah, um, yeah. But usually when you have a large uptick in a particular ASN, yeah. you, you kind of get the impression that it's the same folks. Gotcha. I mean, it, it could indicate that these there's providers in India and Vietnam with vulnerable hosts as well. That's because if a machine is, is or a population is scanning like that, and they're all from the same geographic region, we've seen before where some ISP or some some vendor that's common to the region yeah. has the vulnerability, and that's why you see it in that part. I think of the we world. saw that in like Brazil a few years. Yeah, I remember the Netis router story yeah. a while back. It was definitely geographically centered around places where they were in use. Right. Uh, 8025 is another interesting one. I didn't tie it specifically to anything. I noticed it was marked as Yarn Resource Manager. It doesn't follow the same scanning patterns as the Microtech stuff, so I'm, I'm 
<laughs> taking it apart, I'm excluding it from that. <laughs> and it's also a different set of sources. This is just a handful, maybe three sources in a US cloud provider. Okay. Uh, but you can see that um, there were a couple of significant spikes. Uh, number of scan flows goes from nearly nothing to 8,000 per hour. Uh, no, 8 million per hour? Eight times six, 10 yep. to six? Yeah, eight million. So yeah. yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on that, trying to figure out what this port represents. It's not nothing. It's not nothing, <laughs> yeah. Uh, AD89 is Splunk API, and we've seen some spikes up and down for this 30-day view. Scan sources usually come in around 10, just 10, um, but does sort of spike up out of nowhere for a while. Um, so in the pet, I mean, I don't know if you looked into it, but usually those spikes might mean like, um, like a scheduled research project? Yeah, yeah, like someone's actually doing it for good reasons or whatever. It's possible, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to think that if it's a research project, it's not going to be tons of hosts at a single point in time. Gotcha. I can't guarantee that. Like yeah, if someone yeah. decided one day they had a, a platform from which to scan and do legitimate research, they right. could scan any way they wanted right. to. Um, but I typically think that the background radiation is more representative or a, sing or, or a, a concerted uptick that lasts for a little while is more indica indicative of like a, a botnet. Gotcha. This one is very interesting. Uh, port 34567 TCP. And I was trying to identify specifically what it was. I noticed there was some references on SANS Storm, Internet Storm Center. They noticed this as well. They thought it might be tied to a Mirai or Mirai-like botnet. Yeah. Um, there's also an article from 2017 where someone was talking about IP security cameras, or IP cameras with security issues, I guess is more accurate. Right. Um, but that was from 2017. Right, right. And if you go back to the start of this year, if it, actually, if you go back 365 days, you see almost nothing. And all of a sudden, we're seeing this scanning. It's like the, yeah, that was like, I think Hogaboom usually mentions that pattern means button activity, right? Like dying down. Or, right, if you're sending out a command to a, a whole yeah. bunch of bots, it'll spike up suddenly and sort of tail mm -hmm. off as they all complete their objective. Right, so it's like someone woke up the, the mother low there at some point. Yep, so that, that is almost certainly a single population of bots doing yeah, the same yeah. thing uh, and receiving C, you know, command and control all at the same time. And these are mostly in Taiwan and South Korea from what we can tell. Okay. So uh, what they're looking for, I don't know for sure. Yeah. And again, something this unique, it could, it could be that this is the vulnerable port itself or it could be that this is the way of identifying a vulnerable device and then you hop to another port for the ones that respond and say, okay, let's try this SSH Whatever, password. Yeah. Yeah. That's another potential IoT device um, vulnerability, but we haven't pinned that one down quite yet. So lots to look into, I guess. Uh, 5038, uh, asterisk AMI manager. We've seen this one before, and it seems to be growing in, pop uh, in population. Uh, at least it did over the last couple of days. You can see in the last 24 hours or so, it dropped off a bit. But these are sources in the Netherlands and Germany. And this, this is scan flows, by the way. Okay. There's a, a small population scanning for both of these. Oh. And then one more that showed up in the report is 8088. I think we've talked about it on the show before, Hadoop. Mm. And again, cloud provider in the US and Netherlands are the ones scanning for it. And we've seen some changes over the last 30 days in the populations that are scanning for it. But uh, nothing terribly conclusive. But again, 8088, like we thought it was Hadoop. But anytime you see a port that starts with an 8 or ends with an 80 or an 88, yeah, it could, it be, could be a whole bunch of different web ports. I mean, it seems to be pretty interchangeable among different software packages that they'll right. use stuff that sounds like 80 so that people can remember what it is. Because they're so close to port 80, a lot of people might use them as an alternative web port. So you, know, you can kind of figure out who uses it officially, 
but doesn't mean that there's not other people that might be using it for other things. So when you see that kind of scanning, you know, it's hard to say, oh, they're scanning this port for this reason. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.